Okay. Um, well, I say we, we just jump into it. I know a lot of people are going to be joining and we're going to ask questions or kind of open up for discussion towards the end. Um, so for everyone who's listening in, my name is Josh Eckel. I'm the, uh, uh, one of the members of the board of the Classical Liberal Caucus, and I've got uh, Mr. Jonathan Casey here, who I'll let introduce himself. Well, I am the chair, for better or worse, of the Classical Liberal Caucus. And yeah, this is the uh, classical uh, liberal project. We've been pretty regular, pretty regular as far as recording. You can find us on YouTube. If you go to uh, lpclc.org slash blog, you can find all the links. Um, but yeah, we've kind of skipped. Normally we record on Thursday night, but my travel plans coming back from New York uh, kind of changed that up. So we're recording on a Saturday and we figured we'd open it up. I know that the, uh, you know, people still have questions after a debate like that. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing kind of what everyone's thoughts are and what people want to know. So I'm sure your wife and kids are glad that you pushed it back because I know you've been on the road. So um, glad you made it home safe and uh, <laughs> no issues. Well, they are um, at, they went to a friend's birthday party like about 15 minutes ago. So it couldn't, have, couldn't have been better timing. Noted. No, no streaming in the background today. Okay. Got it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Rock on, man. Well, um, I'll tell you what I was thinking we could do, and then if you have a different uh, perspective, let me know. But I was I was going to, uh, after we got through the introductions, give everyone some context of what happened last weekend with the debate, um, talk a bit about the actual argument, give some context on the CLC stance with your feedback, Jonathan. And then I was just going to go through some questions on what the experience was like, what you feel like strong arguments for and against uh, the national divorce uh, topic is, and then as I said, uh, bring some people at the end to ask some questions if they come up. So if that's good to you, I'll just jump straight into it. Go for it. Uh, okay, so for those of you that don't know, the Soho Forum uh, recently hosted Jonathan um, last weekend, I believe now, uh, to debate Frank Buckley from uh, George Mason on the pr proposal. The argument was, or at least the statement that Jonathan argued against, was the breakup of the United States into different regions is a workable option option likely to bring a marked improvement in human affairs. Um, and one of the things that I've heard, and I don't know about you, but in the, the last week or so, the, the conversation, it, it's really odd to me because uh, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Uh, the day that you, I think the day before that debate, Marjorie Taylor Greene went on a huge rant uh, and made national news and bringing national divorce back to the forefront. And there, as you guys probably know, we're listening in, if, if you have any familiarity with the libertarian circles, the concept of national divorce is something that's often argued in libertarian circles. Uh, there's a there's a lot of, of back and forth even within our own party on this, and, it, and it's by no means a monolith. But the timing couldn't have been more perfect. I don't know if you planned that, Jonathan. Um, well, the <laughs> fact that the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene, the day before the debate, tweeted out about national divorce really couldn't. Couldn't have put it more on the forefront uh, of everyone's minds, so yeah. that certainly helped. Um, and then the crowd—it was a pretty packed crowd at the debate. It was Tuesday night, um, and, uh, and no, it's pretty pretty packed crowd. And uh, I had a lot of really cool people coming up. Well, it was really cool to have people come up afterwards and, and talk about exactly that. They uh, they they wondered if I bribed somebody, but obviously I don't <laughs> have that much money. Yeah, right, right. We're not to that point yet. So I wanted to give context for the listeners that are here right now and then whoever's listening in on the recording. The the CLC, uh, and I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, Jonathan, but at least I could speak for what I, you know, from what I've seen from our members, is not against the concept of secession. We're not against the concept of peaceful people seceding. And we think that individuals and states, uh, 
you know, they should have the right to peacefully secede. So I think it's important that we get that out there first and foremost, because when I've seen all the conversation around this, the first thing that people go out when you say, hey, I think national divorce is a bad idea, is they go, wait, are you against the right of people to secede? And I think, I don't know, not speaking right. for well, you, but I think- No, I, I, I completely agree. And I even said this in the debate that I am, I support the, I, I recognize the right uh, of individuals to secede. But I, the, way I, the way I put it is this, the, you know, I, I, I support your right to, uh, Josh, I support your right to go out and do hooker, you know, uh, hookers and blow tonight. Now, I'm also going to tell you, your wife's probably not going to be very happy with you, and you're probably going to have some consequences of those actions, but I support your right to those actions. Right. And it's the same with secession. I support the right to secession, but I don't always think that the consequences of that are going to be good for individual liberty. And if anybody's watched the debate, my argument really boils down to we, you know, secession is not going to change the politicians who, who are currently in charge. That's, that's not going to change. And so, um, you know, that's the fundamental problem with secession is that unless you change the politicians, it's just going to be the same old, same old. Absolutely. So the, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I, I thought that was something that we, before we even get into any of the questions, we should bring that up because it seems like uh, it's been conflated. The argument against natural divorce is often conflated with, oh, wait, are we against the concept of secession? So that's not the case. I mean, I think if you if we decide we should do it, we could do it. But yeah, as you said, you, you said it better than I could. So well, I wanted to start off, Jonathan, with a little bit of uh, picking your brain on the arguments for and against and your perspective after kind of going through that experience, what you think the strongest arguments for and against are. And I, I'm kind of hoping we can steel man the opposition here. If you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I, I will. I'll start off by saying so. For those who also, you know, kind of a little bit more background, I was originally slated to uh, to debate Ryan McMakin of the Mises Institute, and he had to back out for personal reasons, uh, no fault of his own or the Soho Forum's own, um, about a week and a few, like eight days, I think, before the before the debate. Uh, so that's why Frank Bunkley, when Frank Bunkley stepped in, and I appreciate him stepping in at the last minute to to make sure that we actually had a debate going forward. Um, but I also, um, but it also means that some of the arguments that I prepared for of Ryan McMakin's arguments, uh, I didn't really get to express. So I'm kind of, I'm disappointed clearly in not being able to express some of those. I'm going to reach out to Ryan McMakin and, and try to have him on either a, on a podcast format or even, you know, have a, a third party hostess, uh, as a debate style. I, I, pref I don't, I'm not a big fan of the debate style. I would much rather have a discussion where we, we do try, you know, instead of trying to, um, straw man the others, we listen to the other person and then respond directly directly to what the other person is saying. And I feel like in a debate, it can often be you 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 know you straw man the opposition and then you tear down that straw man. And I, I so I much prefer a discussion style. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll if it's not Ryan, we'll we'll get somebody else in here who who can better express kind of the libertarian arguments in favor of a national divorce because I don't think Ryan McMakin or uh, sorry uh, Frank Buckley. Uh, the professor from Georgetown. I don't think he's a conservative, so I don't think he expressed those arguments very well. So I'm hoping that I will definitely, we will definitely find someone that can express those arguments well. I've, I've got an offer from somebody, he, uh, a friend of mine, um, and he was like, yeah, I could probably do a lot better. And I was like, I know you could. So uh, <laughs> we will definitely, we will definitely find a time and space to do that. Cause I do, I do want to get into the arguments. I do want to hear the best arguments of the pro national divorce crowd and, and, and talk about those. Um, the other thing, so I, I read once I learned that Frank Buckley was going to be my new opponent. I read his book, and I was I was very surprised that he didn't bring up what I thought were going to be his best arguments from his book. 
Uh, he had several studies in his book that shows uh, a correlation between size and freedom of a country. I had, I, we dug into the numbers and we didn't think that was the case. I was prepared to, to prepare to, to go at that, but he didn't really bring that up in the, in the debate. The other thing that I thought he was going to bring up was the, um, the kind of the notion of, you know, California, for example, he brings up that California pays more to the federal government than it gets back in return. And I thought he was going to bring that up uh, and I was prepared for it and then he didn't bring it up. So I was, I was kind of disappointed that I didn't really get to respond to that. Um, so yeah, it, there was a few things that I kind of wish I had gotten that we had, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more into the philosophical meat of the discussion as opposed to, as opposed to just whether uh, the practicality of it. Um, so what do you think, yeah. uh, no, not looking at just Frank's arguments and the things that you actually went back and forth with him on, but you've spent a lot of time in the last six months thinking about this issue. What, you know, before we get into the actual, you know, uh, the weaker arguments, what do you think the strongest argument for a national divorce is? Like if you had to steel man the opposition here, what, what, what do you, does anything really stick out to you from your research? Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be the argument that let's, let's, I mean, New Hampshire is the favorite argument, right? Uh, so you have this tiny, you know, tiny state that can secede and I'm sure they could probably, you know, they could probably get away with it fairly easily that there's downsides to it because you'd be leaving the free market uh, environment of the 50 states. Um, you know, a lot of people, one of my problems with the national West crowd is they always make assumptions. They always make the assumption that, oh, well, we would just be able to negotiate free trade again. Well, hang on. We don't have free, you know, that perfect free trade within the 50 states where there's really no barriers between the 50 states and trading with each other. That's not something that we just grant to anybody. So I don't know if, 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 there, was, if there was a state that left the union, I don't think it would just automatically be granted to them. Oh, yeah, welcome back to the free trade, uh, free trade you know, um, uh, area that we have here. So I, I wish I wish that they would realize that, you know, when the political, you know, the dynamics change, the political dynamics change, it also means that there's going to be policy dynamic changes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that conversation actually reminds me of the stuff that was going on with Brexit before and after the right. event. Uh, there were a lot of assumptions. Yeah, and I'm also surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised that nobody answered or nobody asked any, you know, questions about Brexit in the in the question time. Um, but my answer there really is one: the, the the reason why it's they're able to do it is because there's a cultural split, right? There's a cult. The, the, the culture of Great Britain is very different from the culture of of mainland Europe, um, and and really the, the whether or not the success and we won't know about the success whether Brexit was successful or not until we see what policies they implement. If 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 England comes out and says, "All right, we're going to open up free trade. We're going to have uh, we're going to we're going to implement." free trade, free markets, and free migration, and we're, we're just going to go with that, then yes, I would say yes, it would absolutely be a, a good thing. I think that their, uh, the wealth of their nation would increase over time, and they would be better off without the European Union. Uh, but I don't, I just don't see that. I don't see well, that happening. Um, uh, and the, the problem, and this goes back to kind of what you were touching on earlier, is that you have to make a series of assumptions before the acts of secession right. happen. And so, like, I mean, it, free trade requires two parties to agree. Right. It's right. not just one party. Uh, it requires both parties to op to remove barriers. And so you're you yes. can't predict those kind of things. So the New Hampshire example, I think, is a great one. Sure. And to be New clear, and, yeah. and to be clear, even if the other side isn't willing to do free trade with you, you should still you're still benefited by 
you know, even if the other person has tariffs on your goods, you should still waive all tariffs on any, you know, or reduce tariffs to a, the very minimum. Um, there's some, you know, there's some, there's some understandable costs of customs and things like that that might need to be covered by t by a tariff, uh, but the tariff should be as low as possible, for sure. sure. Well, regardless so, of what the other country does. Yeah. So okay. So without getting too much into the nuance on that, so that so we steel man that looking at the strongest argument on the opposition side. So what do you think? your strongest argument was or your strongest argument against natural national divorce is um after well, you spent all that time um it, i don't i'm not sure what i would say would be the strongest argument is because it, you're always the audience is always what the, what determines whether what's your strongest argument whatever the, uh, resonates with who you're talking to is going to be the strongest argument um and for, and last night by and large by far it was my argument that it was not regionally workable um, when I talked to people afterwards, they would come up to me and say, listen, you changed, which, by the way, was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. When people come up to you and say, you changed my mind on this issue. That, that's really cool. That's really powerful. That's not an experience that I'd really, um, you know, done in person before. I've had, you know, plenty of people message me, plenty of people DM me, all this type of things about, about some of my uh, messaging around the libertarian movement, Liberty Party. that have said, hey, I really like how you talk about, you know, liberty issues. Uh, but to have people come up to you in person and say, you changed my mind was was really special. Um, but no, so my my argument that really kind of won me the debate, as far as I could tell, was the regional workability, right? Because if you if you separate the countries between red and blue states, you'll always have, you know, you'll have a ton of people in, in rural areas of blue states that are going to be left behind by Republicans in the red states. And then if you have, you know, the, the urban areas in the red states are going to be left behind by the Democrats. Uh, in the other states, and I and, and I think I'm convincingly made the case that that's a really that's not a situation that a lot of people are going to want. Um, that's that's not a that's not really workable. That's you know you're going to have to you're going to have to um, you're going to have to think about that long and hard because you're going to essentially you're going to end up having to, to divide the country. If you divide the country along the 2020 election lines, you're going to end up with 42% of Americans on the wrong side of the border. Yeah, that's a many, big. That's many, a big number. You you sort of cited a number. It was like several an X amount of miles of new border uh, that was created with that breakdown. Do you remember? What I didn't. I did. We didn't calculate the mileage. Um, we didn't calculate the mileage, but I said thousands of new miles of new border. Yeah, yeah, got it. Got so so it would be it would be quite um, yeah quite quite uh, harmful to harmful to move you know free movement across the United States. Um, the, the, the one thing that I, again, I wish I, I wish I had been debating a libertarian because I think they could have brought up the argument, well, we should divide down, we should divide down further than the states. But my, my counter to that really is where's the one, where's the motivation to do so? I, I don't really see any real world motivation to divide down further than the states Two, uh, Republican states are not going to give up their economic powerhouses that are the urban areas. Urban uh, urban areas are responsible for the vast majority of the GDP production in this country. Like that is that is that is a huge amount of money. Like for example, uh, blue counties are responsible for seventy one percent of the GDP of the nation. So I just don't see a scenario where if you're trying to start a new country, you're going to give up your economic powerhouse. Uh, and same with same with the 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 uh, blue states. I don't think they're going to give up their food their food security. In giving right. up the rural areas of their states, these are things that happen. These are things that are considerations when you're starting a new nation, uh, that I think are often ignored by 
ignored by proponents of national divorce who think we can divide further to a, a more local level than the states. And I listen, if we if there was a practical plan to do that, if we could federalize down, you know, divide up the states even more, like, for example, I would be fully in, <coughs> excuse me, I'm fully in support of movements of separating, making two states out of Illinois, where Chicago is its own state and Illinois is its own state, or or dividing up California, making it two states, yep. uh, where you have, you know, I'm absolutely all for those things. Or, for example, the or Western Oregon, where you have uh, some counties voting to leave and go to, um, I go to Idaho. I'm fully in support of all of those things because they really they they avoid the biggest issues that I have with national. Uh, divorce. So that that's one of those things that I really um, wish I could have d discussed further with uh, if I had a libertarian uh, opponent that we could have kind of gotten more into the weeds on on that proposal. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. And I um, I actually have some questions I'm going to try to ask that kind of bring us back to the libertarian argument. Uh, Josh Marcinek does have his hand raised. Uh, you want to bring him on? I yeah, Josh was my Josh was my um, for the record. Josh was my geography guy uh are you able to bring him up or do i need to yeah i can here? i think so okay yeah, I, I just hit approve i'm not trying i to think it up. worked you guys can let me hey um, there we I go i wanted to pop in here and talk about the the borders uh so we actually did i actually did calculate the the that's right i was going to ask you if you did uh and so i just have the numbers here i figured i'd rattle them off so the current yeah, uh, the current border perimeter of the united states uh, is 114,259 miles, I think is the calculation. So um, according to what I have written down here, uh, if the United States was split into two nations based on the vote totals of the 2020 election, uh, the Democratic nation would have um, about, 50, uh, about 54,000 miles of borders and the Republican nation would have about 76,000 uh, miles. And it would it would result in an increase of uh, 15,641 miles of border in total. Very a big number. Those are some big numbers. <laughs> yeah, I, I can already imagine the border checkpoints. Um, very, very good context, Josh. Thanks for, for bringing that up. Um, you're, since you're here too, uh, and you helped a lot with the prep, that was another question I was going to ask, uh, Jonathan, about what your preparation process was like. How did you go about building the case? How'd you go about exploring these ideas and making sure that you were as succinct as possible? Yeah, um, being succinct certainly turned into a problem at the end because I've got I have about twenty pages of of notes on this thing. Um, but yeah, no, we we built the team. Josh was on the team. Josh was actually there uh, Tuesday night. Uh, came in from from uh, Philadelphia, so I very much appreciate him making the drive. The um, but yeah, so we started once once I knew uh, once I you know was invited by Gene Epstein. Uh, I knew the knew the resolution, and so we broke the resolution down into what does the resolution require the affirmative to prove, right? And it's one geographically workable or regionally workable, that it's politically workable, and that it would lead to an improvement in human affairs. So we had our three main points that we needed to show that the affirmative needed to prove the the affirmative needed to prove these three things, and I needed to show how these three things were very unlikely. Um, and so that's really where we started, and we just built it. We built it out from there. We spent a lot of time on, you know, opposition research. We researched Ryan McMakin at the beginning, and then obviously the past week, we just we poured into Frank Buckley. I had I had some extra volunteers jump on to help me watch videos and pull clips for me. Say, hey, you need to watch this about what he said, because uh, he wrote a book about about I think called the American Secession. I think is what it's called. 
Um, so we, we dove into that. We dove into some of his media interviews uh, to just kind of anticipate what type of points he would bring up. Um, and we, my, my team did an incredible job. I feel like I, feel like I was very overprepared uh, for what we ended up running into. Um, so I was, I was very, very pleased with how we ended up there. I, I, none, of the, none of the points that were brought up were any surprises to us. So I was that 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 alone says that I was prepared uh, well by my team. So that that made a huge a huge difference because I think that also came off well because my opponent did not necessarily answer all of the questions, whereas I felt like I really stuck to the questions and answered the questions from the audience. Um, yeah. And, and really kind of wanted to focus on you know actually answering the question and not just throwing jabs. So at least that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Um, so that's that's great. Um, I have a lot of other well, I have a lot of other questions just around the arguments, dynamics, uh, like just different nuances that I think you dug into that I think our audience might be interested in. But I wanted to let everyone know if you have a question and you want to jump in and chat, you're welcome to just raise your hand and request like Josh did. We're happy to bring you in. I think we're trying to keep this under 45 minutes. So uh, anytime in the next 10, 15 minutes would be great. Um, so, Jonathan, one of the questions I have, you spend a lot of time <clears throat> talking to libertarians, no surprise. Um, and with the fact that this is a divisive issue inside the liberty movement, how do you feel like – and this is a very broad question, but your gut reaction is fine. How do you feel about – how do you feel like libertarians should address and approach this topic, not only internally in the movement but when talking to people externally? Do you have any commentary or thoughts on that? Yeah, don't talk about state rights. Talk about individual rights. Um, I think that we, I think that I think we have to be very clear that our support for the quote-unquote state rights is because we believe in individual rights. So we do, in fact, believe that there, you know, there is a right for people to to secede and to pull themselves out of a political union. I think that that's. I think every libertarian would agree with that. Um, but I don't. I think it's very. I think we have to be very careful about talking about the states' rights um, because I think it can devalue. Devalue our stance on individual uh, rights, and like I say in the debate, you know, every individual has the right to secede, but they also have the right to not secede. And so we have these competing rights, and we have, you know, people people who want to secede. Does, does that mean that they have the right to pull everyone in their area out with them who don't want to secede? So the way I put it in the debate really is, in my opinion. It, to secede, you have to be able to demonstrate that everyone in your region will gain more individual liberty. They will have more respect for their rights. Um, that's the only. That's my in my book. I, I'd really, I'd love to see if somebody else has a different theory on this. But in my book, the only justification to seceding, even when some of your neighbors don't want to secede, is that at the end of the day, you will be providing them with more individual liberty. Um, I'd be curious. Okay. I'd be curious if anybody has objection to that, but I haven't really seen any and. But that, that is that is kind of my my gut instinct on that on that reaction is is that position. Yeah, so I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. One of the things that you said in the debate, which I thought was very interesting, is in, um, if you divide red and blue, then you end up with sixty six million individuals caught on the wrong side of the border. Uh, and so that's that's just voters, by the way. That is only the voting count. If you actually go to if you extrapolate that out, so if you take uh, that's twenty two election results, that's sixty six million voters that would be on the wrong side of a board if you extrapolate that percentage out to the rest of the population there would be 138 million people caught on the wrong side of the border and that doesn't include uh independence yeah so the idea that i mean one of the things that i think 
you know, is a much, if you're going to argue about national divorce, it's a lot, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to have that conversation when you step outside of the partisan lens. So Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, let's have red states and blue states split up. That's a nonsense argument. Like that really is. They're talking hundreds of millions of people on the wrong side. You're talking about, you know, making the urban rural divide worse. Uh, many of these red states, quote unquote, red states are not. I mean, if you look at the, the actual makeup of the population, they are not majority, vast majority red by any means. It's a lot closer than it sounds. So the argument, you know, to steal men the other side of, hey, let's get it down to localities is a lot stronger to me. Um, right. But know, then what do you do with suburbs who are split right down the middle? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So it's again, yeah. like I listen, I appreciate the argument of getting it down to localities. And in fact, in many ways, I kind of agree with it. I would love to see a world where that's possible. Uh, I just don't see it's possible right now, and I don't really see. I don't, and I don't think that I don't think that dividing the country along the red or blue lines is really a good way forward in any scenario, local or non. Because I, again, like I said in the debate, this isn't an authoritarian versus libertarian debate. It's authoritarian versus authoritarian. Bingo. So. One of the things that did come up too, and I don't feel like you guys were able to really dig into it, is a conversation around uh, energy, water rights, how those things are broken up. Because I think one of the another big element of the conversation <clears throat> is uh, I think I saw Craig Bowden tweet about this: is who gets the nukes, right? Who gets the who gets the water sources? <laughs> who do, yeah, how do you how do you deal yeah. with the energy? So, did you have any uh, comment on that commentary on that that maybe you weren't able to get into depth? Yeah, with? so I didn't. Um... In my opinion, these are solvable issues, along with like welfare and social security, all of these big issues that are really going to that would make a national divorce very difficult. But I don't think they make a national divorce impossible. So I focused during the debate. I wanted to focus on what I thought that, you know, what makes national divorce impossible. Right. The political and regional workabilities and that it would not lead to an improvement in human affairs. So I focused on the things that I thought it was that it was impossible, the, the mountains that it couldn't overcome. Uh, but these are issues that are very difficult to overcome. I think they are. You are. I think we are able to overcome them, but I think they're very difficult. Um, yeah. For for example, water rights is is a big issue. There's. I mean, almost every year there is a case in the Supreme Court between states about water, um, and there's one in the Supreme Court right now. So yes, if you have if the, instead of them being two different, you know, it, 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 instead of them being two different states, if they were two different countries. That becomes a whole different dynamic and issue. Um, and again, it goes back to dividing up the country regionally. Are you, as a nation, if California is so dependent on water from some of these other states, is it really going to allow them to be independent? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of issues. As far as who gets the nukes, I actually think Ryan McMake in my original debate, him, he has a whole chapter on his book dedicated to this, and he answers it fairly well, though I don't think, I don't think it's as easy a question as – he he suggests, especially if we talk about the idea of, of national divorce down to localities, then what do you do with the nukes? If we divide into two countries, okay, I can see these two sides coming together, uh, assuming, again, assuming peaceful. You know, I'm assuming peaceful. I, I do not like the I, – I do think that there's a high chance of national divorce leading – to violence, I, but I but I understand that most people who talk about national divorce would say violence is not the right way. If it goes towards violence, nope, we're not for it. So I try to avoid saying you know that it will lead to violence. But if it doesn't lead to violence, I do think two sides could probably come together and decide who gets some of the nukes, right? Fine. If you could divide down to 50 states or 50 different countries, okay, that becomes a much bigger issue. And and that's that's a really difficult issue to solve because what states do get nukes and what states don't get nukes and 
I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it's one of those, and as far as energy goes, like Texas is basically on its own, on its own power grid. So there, you know, wouldn't be too big of an issue, yeah. but Texas um, I know that Europe, that. <laughs> I, I'm not too sure. I know Europe is fairly on, is on separate grids for the most part. I'm not a, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Um, so it would be, it would lead to complications for sure. As far as dividing up the United States into, into new countries, if you went more than, you know, one or two countries down it would it would be it would it would it would create complications but i don't know that it would be impossible to solve uh but it would be difficult it wouldn't be easy so another one of the things i wanted to talk about as well was a little bit about foreign policy and whatnot but again one more reminder since we've got about five or ten minutes left in the conversation if you have a question feel free to just raise your hand or jump in um i think one of the last questions i had for you jonathan was the nuances around foreign policy diplomatic relations with other countries i know you thought about that too as part of your prep what do you envision a post-national divorce world being i mean there's a million different scenarios but how do you feel like that would affect foreign relations uh that's a good one i i people say well if the u.s dissolved it in nato i think that's absolutely wrong i think you just end up with more members of nato i think that the new there's no there's no political motivation to leave nato uh among our current pol you know political leaders so i don't think that these they're again you're going to have the same political leaders uh after national divorce that you did before so you've got you know uh, you're going to have the same neocons in office who are going to want to join nato um so I don't really see much changing there. Uh, I, I would like, I would, you know, a lot of people say, well, it would end the military industrial complex, but that really only, it's only the case if it is a peaceful, uh, if it's a peaceful divorce, because if it's not a peaceful divorce, well, everyone's up in arms and you've just fed the, fed the Leviathan. Um, as far as, as far I also, there's one thing that I didn't really get to is when you, when you look at the, especially the political landscape of red states, a lot of them are really they're really pushing the border hard border security point. And I, and so what I think what you would see is, is you might see less uh, military spending and more, but more defense uh, defend the border spending. Right. I think that the border control uh, crowd would go crazy in the red States. I think that that would be a massive boost to uh, spending in that area. Um, and I, yeah, I think that I, so I don't necessarily think that ending the military industrial complex would necessarily be the end result of, of a national divorce. I think it would change it to some degree. Yeah. And despite the fact that I don't think any one of us would, I don't think saying, oh, you know, the federal government is going to invade you is an argument against national. I don't think it's a strong argument against national divorce. Right. Yeah. But, because we, again, we have the same, like, here's the thing, NATO invades people and it's a conglomerate. Right. And so I don't, I don't necessarily like it, you know, I don't necessarily think that that would really change the dynamic because again, you have the same politicians who think the same way, who have the same foreign policy mindset of interventionism. That's, that's what needs to be changed more than, more than the, 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 the geographic makeup of the United States and these are our politicians are what needs to be changed. Absolutely. And, and the idea that somehow if you create thousands of 15,000, I think is what Josh said, new miles of border, you're going to somehow reduce the investment in the military industrial complex and the, the military infrastructure that you need to support that border. Um, you know, if you really want to enforce it, um, again, it's a little bit naive, that's for sure. I think. Um, and that's assuming there's no conflict between states, which I think is also extremely unlikely. So, right. Uh, does anyone have any other questions? I think we're about at time. Um, 
I saw a hand go up, and then I think it went back down. So I'm not sure if that was an accident. Anyone have any questions? Uh, Josh, um, I, I don't know if you have any context on the the prep uh, that you might want to chime in on, or Jonathan, whether you have anything on your mind while we wait. No, it was just a, it was a great experience. You know, I was. <laughs> I will say that as far as the first public, really the first public speaking appearance, that's it's a tough one to go into for a debate. Uh, I I kind of, uh, yeah, it was that's a, that's a tough one because you've got to, I was trying to be very careful about what I was saying, and uh, I don't know, it was it's one of those things I was like maybe that shouldn't have been my first public speaking experience, <laughs> but hey, we pulled yeah, it off, job. right? You did a great job, and uh, Ghost Fox actually, who is listening in, he's not able to. He's not able to uh, to speak because he's on PC, but he said, uh, I feel like there isn't really a good argument for a divorce. Our military is weakened by being split, and we leave ourselves open to more foreign influence in our elections. Yeah, uh, we might end up getting bullied around like Europe. Um, is right. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and that's one that I was – I didn't really – I have a whole pa paragraph on uh, in my notes that I didn't really get into. <clears throat> but you're right. European, Europe has been bullied by Russia as far because it's so energy dependent on Russia. Um, so you would have a very similar circumstance in the United States. The other thing is, you know, in the United States right now, it's a giant Switzerland. We've got two massive ocean, oceans on each side of us. We've got a friendly country to the north, friendly country to the south. We are in a geopolitically very secure position. Um, and, you know, it, uh, clearly we shouldn't be spending as much on our as much on our military because we really don't need it as much because we are so, you know, geographically defended by just our position. But you're right. If it would open us to foreign up, foreign interference, foreign uh, control, and that's another thing that I don't think really gets talked about enough, is that if if the if um, national divorce actually became more politically possible, or if it became more uh, realistic, you would have so many so many accusations of of foreign interference. Oh, Russia's trying to get you know New Hampshire to secede. Russia's behind it. Russia, you know, and I think that that would be a really I think that would you know, when we say, oh, it would just be peaceful, I think a lot of people would buy into that and be willing to use violence to prevent the country they thought was being influenced by a foreign country from leaving. Yeah. Next so that. that's what scared that scares me. And I, I like I've said in the debate, I absolutely am against any violence on any any state that wants to secede. But I do see I do see a scenario in which that that violence could be riled up against against somebody, a, a state trying to secede. Got it. Yeah. No. Well said. I, I we have a we have a hand up. Um, and I think we're almost to time. So Oliver, I'll let you jump in here and maybe provide your comment. Let me see if I can bring you in. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Oh, I should have accepted. I have to check my work there, Jonathan. Yeah, I think so. Oh, there we go. Hey, Oliver. Go for it, Oliver. On, You're muted, by the way. No, oh, I think you muted, Oliver. Oh, maybe it was a, maybe it was a mistake. Hey guys, how are you doing? Oh, there we go. And uh, hey, Oliver. By now, it's impossible to the the separate the states around the United States east. The because Texas was a, a independent state for a long, long time, but it's 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 very hard situation there. That is so, Did you say Oliver? I didn't catch that. That is so I can explain. Texas was a independent state. Yeah, I actually interestingly enough, um, I, I think I caught a portion of that. 
I think out of all the states in the union, the one that could get away with a national divorce easiest would be Texas. Um, just, I think we touched on that a little earlier in the conversation. Well, I think that, uh, you know, we kind of go back to the cultural divisions, really. That's what drives national divorces. And I think that Texas has somewhat of a different culture, but here's the thing. 42% of Texans are not born in Texans. So the people are residents of Texas. So, you know, there, there's a, like, there's just not a cultural divide that really would, you know, create the impetus uh, for something along those lines. But it, listen, it could change in 50 years. I don't know. But as far as right now goes, I just don't see any true cultural divisions that would actually separate, you know, the, the, the country apart, at least in a way that actually kind of makes sense geographically. So. Agreed. I don't know, Oliver, if you have any more, uh, if you have any questions or commentary before we close, we're at time now. But um, Jonathan, I'll hand it off to you. Yeah, no, thanks for everybody for, for jumping in. I, I appreciate uh, coming and talking. Feel free to, you know, I'm, I'll be interested in seeing if anybody comes up with some real uh, counter arguments to what I put forward uh, at the debate. I, you know, I, I like, I like, I like the idea of putting arguments, putting, putting things out there uh, that people can respond to. Um, so if anybody sees anything, please forward them to me, let me know so I can actually look at them and see uh, because I feel like we, I feel like we put a really some really good arguments against national divorce out there from a from a principled libertarian perspective. So I'll be interested in seeing what what responses we get back. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll definitely have more discussions about this going forward because I think that it's I think it's an important topic about what we focus you know the liberty movement focuses its energy on because I that's one of my oppositions to it is that I, I want to focus on things that I think really will improve individual liberty in this country. And I, I just don't see national divorce being that path. Um, that's why we have a whole section on our website. If you go to wiki.lpclc.org, you can uh, check out all of our policy guides. And there's, we've got a bunch of different policy ideas, mostly for local level uh, governments where they, you know, things along uh, zoning laws, licensing laws, uh, you know, things like some places you aren't even allowed to have a garden. Uh, so, so there's, there's just little things like that, that localities can really impose on your liberty uh, that really aren't that hard to fix. You just need to go talk to your city council and you need to get out there, get active in your communities and, and, and push for more individual liberty. So that's uh, kind of what we're going to try to focus on uh, and for it, sure. So make sure I don't forget to mention this. If you are interested in continuing the conversation in a lot more of a, interpersonal fashion rather than this kind of stage and audience thing you we're gonna have a members meeting in discord here in 20 minutes yeah and to, if you go to lpclc.org our discord link is on there uh, for uh, for classical liberal caucus members we kind of every saturday at two o'clock we kind of hang out and just talk about whatever anybody wants to talk about uh sometimes it's sports sometimes it's politics who uh who knows but feel free to feel free to jump in there as we close i appreciate everyone everyone coming in and, and talking and the questions and uh I, uh, yeah, I'll see. Oh, next week we'll have, uh, on the podcast, we were going to, we're going to have Dylan Burns, uh, which he's a Twitch streamer, but he's also, I call him, I'd really call him an independent reporter. Yeah. He's, anything. he's, uh, he's got done some really good work. So we'll have him to, on him on to talk about, uh, Ukraine and kind of everything going on there. So make sure you tune in, uh, next week and we'll go from there. Thanks for everyone for jumping in. Thanks guys. Have a weekend.